From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. I think the word that I gravitate to about leadership is grace. I, I think that is the one that most embodies kind of the, the feeling that I think about when I think about leading people or helping people be successful in leadership roles. And it, it goes again, I think we're sticking on the same theme of really having patience, having understanding, you know, that, that concept of like listening to understand, listening to seek clarity. But just understanding that I think most people have good intentions. And if we give a little bit of grace and we calmly engage in conversations, we're going to kind of achieve our goals together. So that's that's always my my word when I get into these conversations with our team. We go back to that word grace a lot. That's Carrie Kozlowski, Chief Operating Officer and co-founder of Upfront Healthcare Services, talking about the importance of finding grace in leadership and building that as a foundation when building up your team. We'll hear more from Carrie in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. When spring finally rolls around, it's all about short sleeves and warmer days, not to mention visions of sunny Orlando, where MGMA is soon to host its 2023 MPE Financial and Operations Conference. During our premier spring event, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Whether you plan to dive into finance or operations subject matter, we have you covered on both topics. That's because the Medical Practice Excellence Conference will feature two topics in one location. Join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. Our guest today is Carrie Kozlowski, Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Upfront Healthcare Services. Carrie is also a former member of the Board of Directors at MGMA. Carrie began her career as an occupational therapist and has taken on a variety of leadership roles throughout the healthcare industry, always with an eye on finding solutions for organizations and building stronger cultures and more empathetic leaders within those practices. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to connect with you again. Yeah, we got to connect while we were at the Leaders Conference in Boston, and uh, I had wanted to get you back on the show so we could go deeper into your leadership uh, philosophy and style. Uh, so this is, for our listeners, this is our leadership podcast series, and as we always do on this particular show we like to set the stage by getting an idea of how our guest defines great leadership. So what's your thought on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to set the stage, um, kind of the foundation of how what the philosophy is based on. I, I think for me, great leaders start by finding the right people um, and then investing the time to get to know them and understand them. So it's it's really around being able to understand your team, 
and your teammates um, in a way that allows you to kind of personalize your approach to leadership, coaching, managing, mentoring to their unique styles. And then I think from there, you ultimately measure great leadership by the success of that team, right? And so I look at things like goal achievement or culture engagement as kind of the basis for that definition of success. All right. So thank you for that. Now let's dig a little bit deeper into your career. So what set you on the path to the healthcare industry and then gravitating to leadership roles within the healthcare industry? So I started my career as an occupational therapist. So my kind of undergraduate degree and the first portion of, of my professional experience was, was delivering care in a number of different care settings from acute care to rehab, outpatient, home health, um, across the continuum. And, and part, of, part of the program of occupational therapy, or really most of, of the care delivery world, is that we're always mentoring and teaching the next group of students. So started mentoring students that were doing field work grew into kind of following that path into mentoring new grads as they were coming kind of into the workforce and sort of started my foundation of, of working in, into management and, and leadership opportunities. And then my career took a little bit of a turn um, after graduate school when I decided to kind of move into the, the startup and technology space. And, and in that arena, I really was fortunate to be able to work in a lot of different roles. So I've, you know, done QA, I've, I've worked in kind of product marketing, I've worked in sales and services and implementation and, and um, strategic marketing and across the board. And I think what really has kind of together formed my leadership approaches is the idea that I have, I can have a lot of empathy, both for the clients that we serve, but also for my colleagues in all of their responsibilities. And as a leader, I'm able to connect the dots for my team and my colleagues around where other people might be coming from, what their experiences are and how we can continue to kind of work together uh, to achieve our shared goals. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You brought up empathy. I was just having a conversation with a colleague about an hour ago and we somehow landed on empathy as well. And so often we use the example of say it's a colleague or just somebody you bump into in a coffee shop is not having a good day. Maybe they're even exhibiting some bad behavior, but in many cases, we'll just jump to the conclusion, wow, what a jerk or whatever. But when you really use that empathy, emotional intelligence, that self-awareness, you know, I haven't walked in this person's shoes and I, I don't agree with their bad behavior, but I, I, I want to just understand what's what's happening, what's taking place here. Talk about that a little bit, because you've worn so many different hats in healthcare. When you do see that person who maybe they're a toxic employee or maybe they're a good employee and just having a bad day and exhibiting some of that bad behavior. How do you empathize and then and then move forward in that sort of uh, conversation in your leadership role to get them to maybe I don't know, deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with there. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's no easy kind of out of the box answer to that question. And I, I think this goes back into kind of seeking to understand. And, and I think you were saying that same thing is, is first, the first thing to deescalate any of that is, is to make sure, you know, it's not personal, 
right? This isn't about me, right? This is not personal to me. At that point, I think it really allows any leader or colleague to be able to kind of take that deep breath and then approach that from a position of this person's having a bad day or this person's kind of seems a little unusual in the way we're interacting. That's the out of character, right? So that for me, it's the how can I help you question? How can I support you right now? What's going on? Like that, that is just that question that generally softens the room a little bit and lets that person know that you're there to understand what's going on, help them be successful, whether that's a professional challenge or they need to do something outside of work. But I think it helps to sort of, again, de-escalate a little bit of the intensity and then allows everyone to kind of get into a dialogue about what's really going on and where the, the opportunities or challenges might be. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sure. One of the ways that we grow as, as leaders al- along our career path is through networking. And if we're lucky, finding great mentors. Did you have any particular mentors who have helped you along the way? This is a really good question. I, I, I think for me, I did earlier in my career. So I worked with like a wonderful, it was a very early career. It's a wonderful director of rehabilitation at Mercy Hospital in Chicago, Marilyn Leverson. And she was the first person who was really gave me kind of the coaching on how to have tough conversations, how to give and receive feedback, right? And the importance of grace in conversations, like under seeking to understand where someone's coming from, not taking things personally, as we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. She was she was a really generous um, leader in that way. I think when I switched courses a little bit into the, the startup and technology space, um, it was a little harder to come by mentors as a working mom and a woman in that space. There weren't a lot of people kind of ahead of me um, that that had shared experiences that I had. And so what I found kind of in that time coming up in that next stage of my career was really building a strong group of, of women leaders that might be in lots of different industries and different roles, but using each other as that kind of collaboration and sounding board and mentoring kind of peer to peer more than, more than anything else. Okay. Now, that was going from a person perspective, but there are other ways to gain knowledge as well. One of those is books um, and there are other resources as well. Have there been books uh, or other resources that have helped shape your leadership style? Uh, for me, I first want to add like, the concept of leadership style is it is a really good one because and this is a little bit around kind of the work that we do too, but I think to me that changes, right? This goes to the personally understanding kind of what are the circumstances, what is going on with the person or the team that I'm working with at that time. So my leadership style might shift from that empathetic leader that we were talking about. At times it might be servant leader. Um, Ultimately where I try to settle in is in that kind of authoritative leadership approach, which for me is really engaging our team the ability to make quick decisions, focus on goals, and kind of in a startup, like the fast-paced world in which I live on a regular basis, that seems to be the most important kind of approach or the most, I guess, used approach that I take um, in order to kind of keep things moving along. From a reading perspective, I've read it, I read a lot on, you know, leadership and different topics. What really inspires me, there's not like a, oh, this is my, my Bible of leadership. It's, it's a lot of reading of biographies and autobiographies. And it's the seeking to understand different people's experiences, how different people have kind of 
grown in whether it's in a leadership role or some other aspect of their life. And just again, trying to broaden my horizons around understanding people as a whole that I have found most valuable. Okay. Do you have a favorite biography or autobiography or memoir that has spoken to you? I mean, this is going to sound cliche, but I'm a big fan of right now, the Glennon Doyle Untamed most recently. Um, And there's another one, uh, Brave Not Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, by by Reshma Sajana, who started the Girls Who Code uh, program, which is another one that I, I, I've, I've definitely gifted a few times over to people on my team. That's awesome. Well, we'll definitely uh, put links to those two authors in our episode show notes so people can gravitate to those. Now, do you have a uh, a key concept, a, a quote, a philosophy, an idea, anything of that nature that you embrace as a leader? The I think the word that I gravitate to about leadership is grace. I, I think that is the one that most embodies kind of the, the feeling that I think about when I think about leading people or helping people be successful in leadership roles. And it, it goes, again, I think we're sticking on the same theme of really having patience, having understanding, you know, that that concept of like listening to understand, listening to seek clarity, but just understanding that I think most people have good intentions. And if we give a little bit of grace and we calmly engage in conversations, we're going to kind of achieve our goals together. So that's, that's always my my word when I get into these conversations with our team, we go back to that word grace a lot. Okay. Now, earlier we were talking about your kind of those earliest steps in your healthcare journey. Um, Let's bring it up to speed. You're currently COO and co-founder of Upfront Healthcare. So give us an idea of what is Upfront Healthcare and what was your thinking behind uh, co-founding it in the first place? Uh, thanks for asking. So uh, my co-founder, Ben Albert, and I have, have collaborated and worked together for uh, almost 20 years. So we met in graduate school, ironically, in an entrepreneurship class. Um, and, and we've been on this journey together. I think we have a very shared mission around simplifying healthcare for patients. The, the mission specifically at Upfront is to help every patient get the care they need. So what what we do is we marry the kind of healthcare behavioral science and consumer psychographics, and we deliver hyper-personalized communications to patients that activate them to complete their necessary care. So we do that. We have a scalable kind of engagement platform, and we, with that combined with our team of healthcare experts, ultimately help us to serve patients on behalf of our clients. And our clients are everything from health systems and provider groups, medical groups, as well as life sciences, uh, enterprises, and, and health plans alike. So anywhere where pa- people are supporting patients, getting the care they need, those are the those are our clients, and we serve the patients on behalf of them. If our listeners wanted to know more about Upfront Healthcare, where would they go? What's the, I guess, the uh, sure. address yeah. there on the web? Um, web. Yeah, upfronthealthcare.com. Um, and of course, feel free to, to LinkedIn with me as well, Carrie Kozlowski, and certainly... Always, always interested in, in talking to folks who are like-minded or on the journey of, of building, you know, patient engagement and, and trying to deliver greater outcomes. Okay. You, you mentioned something there. I'm, I hope I got it down right. You said psychographic. What, what is that? What is when you 
develop that for a patient? What is that? Yeah, so psychographics is a is a, a marketing concept, a consumer marketing concept that's been in use for a long, long time. I think originally kind of bred out of Procter and Gamble and, and retail consumerism. Uh, the auto industry uses it a lot, but it's the idea of really studying and understanding the motivations uh, behind a you know in retail a buying decision. We have a team of people who've over the last ten to fifteen years have really built and studied and refined. A, a psychographics model specific to healthcare. So how will people, what motivates and influences them to engage in the healthcare steps that they need to take? So we'll understand if you're someone who would prefer to get your care at an urgent care than to see the same physician and establish a relationship. That convenience means more to you and being able to schedule it kind of on the fly, you're more likely to do an annual wellness visit that way. Or for somebody else, we'll understand if we explain to you that this important preventive care, let's say you need to get your mammogram. Some people will respond more to the doctor saying that they need to get their mammogram and others might respond more to, hey, your family relies on you, your family counts on you. Let's make sure you get your care so you can stay well for them. And we can understand down to the patient level exactly what kind of messaging, design, imagery, et cetera, will help influence the patient to get the care that they need. What is the most interesting or helpful thing you've learned uh, from a psychographic standpoint about a patient population? Here, this is, I'll say, this is maybe a little bit of of divulging. When we think about today's access issues, um, we are really challenged right now to help patients get care that they need because we have a limited number of providers. We continue to have challenges in that space. And the MGMA covers that across the board um, from their advocacy work down to their kind of consulting and, and guidance to their, their clients and, and members. And so for us, when I think about access, what was most insightful is that we can help distribute demand across different service lines by understanding who prefers which service line. So at a very simplified level, you might say, hey, all the patients who have ear infections, they don't need to see their primary care doctor. They can just go to urgent care. The challenge with that is some of those patients are going to be offended by the transition to urgent care. And some of those patients are going to think that's great. And the doctors, on the other hand, if we move all of the kind of a day-to-day acute patients off their load, they can have a pretty intense caseload during the day with chronic care management and very sick patients. And so we can actually understand at the patient level like uh, who might be more likely or would actually find it to be a benefit to switch to which service line so that everyone gets care and we can think about using psychographic segmentation to unlock access at a much larger level so that more people will get the care they need and we can actually move up uh, kind of from a care gap closure, preventive measures, quality measures, and overall total cost of care opportunity. Wow. Okay. I, I did ask the question, so thanks for yeah. <laughs> thanks for answering me. That was it's exciting to think about the possibilities of what you can do with kind of understanding that behavioral science patient data, their engagement when they engage in the psychographics. Like there's just so much potential to to move the needle on our goals as a healthcare industry. Hmm. That is so cool. So, Carrie, you were talking about MGMA earlier in our conversation, and I just wanted to bring to light that you also served from 2018 to 2022 as a board member of MGMA, and we're grateful for that. And I just wanted to ask you about what that experience was like and 
and really what the leadership vision uh, for that MGMA audience was during your tenure? Yeah, I, I I loved serving on the MGMA board. I was I was grateful to have that opportunity um, and to work with the team. I, I we had such an inspiring group of diverse leaders and experiences, and I think the vision that that Haley had really in terms of bringing that group of people together was to to understand um, our points of view, to be able to represent the industry as a whole and really focus on how we brought to light um, those experiences and, and our knowledge in a way that could help serve and grow MGMA as a whole, right? Both from mm-hmm. an audience perspective, from a relevancy perspective, making sure that the vision and mission was in line with where the industry was going. I think she had a really smart point of view around staying a couple steps ahead. Um, I will say I was on the board before COVID started that was not something we predicted. Uh, I was not on the what might happen in the industry list. Um, so that was a miss um, from that perspective. But um, but the other thing I will say just that Haley always did that I took away from that experience from a leadership is she's a big gifter of books. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we would come to board meetings, there would always be one, sometimes three even new books for us to dive into. And And I sort of found myself starting that same habit of of then gifting books to my team, kind of taking that from her. Um, one of the ones you mentioned books earlier too. One of the ones that she gave that I have passed on many, many times is uh, is American Icon by Alan Mulally about his time leading Ford, um, and and really the goal oriented approach to KPIs and balanced scorecard that he instilled there, um, along with a lot of other changes. From a perspective of of the board vision, I think we were really focused on thinking about the future, thinking about growth, bringing together those diverse experiences. But I also just learned kind of at that practical level a little bit, just, you know, watching those great leaders and getting to collaborate with them and Haley on a regular basis. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, Now, this podcast is going to air the first week of January. As we all know, that's a time when people set goals, they set resolutions they try to recharge restart you know <laughs> get a new spin on anything from what they've previously done how do you approach a new year there's two things i would say first i i i like to be a homebody for a little bit before i start the new year so there's the getting the kind of personal life um kind of the foundation set so some intentional family time just kind of thinking about where we are preparing for the year, what, and have three daughters, right? So where, where are we heading and what are they thinking about? What do they need? Um, from a work perspective, though, like once kind of that foundation's in place, I usually close out the year doing a little SWOT analysis with my direct team. And then um, we do a lot of goal setting with the leadership team about what we want to achieve in the next year. So between the SWOT and the goal setting, that lets us kind of go into January really focused on like, what are our KPIs? What are any new processes that we need to achieve our goals and set our team up for success? And what are the development opportunities for the team to help make sure that we achieve those goals? So so it's a little bit of that kind of pause and reflection, but then really thinking about looking forward, how do we set ourselves up to succeed? Okay. And then you mentioned the personal side of it. Uh getting that downtime at home as well. And that's so important right now. We hear so many studies and stories about burnout and uh, 
stressed out uh, situations in the healthcare world. So how do you find a work-life balance that helps you as a person, helps you as a leader? Anyone who knows me really well will tell you this is not one of my core competencies. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so that I um I love what I do for work. It's like so integrated to everything I do all of the time. Um, but when I I really need to kind of get the the mental break, I have to do something that will um keep me off my devices. So I know you mentioned the last time we talked. I do love to coach and play basketball. Um, and depending on the weather, I will seek out a, a good hike where there's no cell service. Um, and, uh, the other thing that I do like to do that I don't think very many people know, I love to decorate cakes. So, and it takes, it's not something I'm particularly good at. So it takes like a lot of mental focus and it keeps me busy and for a long period of time. And that, that tends to be another thing that again, helps me kind of relax my head a little bit to, to think about what what I need to do next. Okay. That, those are all great things to uh, kind of find that balance, but I have to, <laughs> I have to ask you this. We were talking offline about your coaching style. Are you more Bobby Knight? Are you more coach K uh, coach Shashevsky? What, what's your uh, <laughs> coaching style? Do you throw chairs out under the floor? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope I'm more coach K. Um, <laughs> I'm loud. So I guess I'll take that. Um, it's hard to keep the attention of, of young people um, on the court, but uh, I do get to play here in Chicago. Coach K actually built a gym at one of the schools that we play at. So we get to sometimes play at the coach K's gym, uh, which is fun, but no, my, my, most of these kids aren't going to play basketball in a few years or in their lifetime. Right. So the whole point of, of this, this activity is to help start teaching them life skills, things like grit and teamwork and service to each other and, and the skills that they're going to take into school and then, you know, hopefully later in life. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. You had told me earlier that you're coaching fifth graders and my daughter played one year as a fifth grader and it was about the most fun we've ever had. It, it Like you said, there's some of the skill level for some of the players isn't very high. It wasn't for my daughter, but <laughs> it was, uh, such a great experience to be part of a team and to be part of, to take some coaching and to be able to compete. So all those things are great. Um, I did want to ask you though, so you play as well, are you playing in leagues or you just get out and shoot some buckets occasionally? What's, what's your playing style or playing uh, level at this point? No, Daniel, my playing style is knockout against the fifth graders. It feeds my ego. <laughs> no, I like to play with I like to play with them and, and shoot around and, and that stuff. No, I don't I don't play in a league. Um I don't know. I don't know if I could get back to that level of, of ball again. So Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. So Final thought then, what words of advice would you like to leave our listeners with who are looking at growing their healthcare career and their career as healthcare leaders? Great question. Summarizing maybe a little bit of what we talked about, healthcare is really hard and, and leadership is, is hard. And so when I think about, you know, my favorite word, grace and and leading with grace, I, I think there's an opportunity for all of us to have grace with ourselves, right? And, and I think that would be the advice, you know, if you're pushing through a struggle, you're feeling out of balance, right? There's some kind of growth opportunity in front of you that you're working through is, is just to 
to be kind to yourself as you're growing and learning and have that, that patience that we talk so much about giving to others, but we forget to give to ourselves sometimes. All right. Well, Carrie, it's been so much fun to have you back on the show and want to thank you again for sharing these thoughts on your leadership style, your coaching style, your lifestyle. So <laughs> thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Carrie Kozlowski, Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Upfront Healthcare Services. Carrie is also a former member of the Board of Directors at MGMA. Also, thanks to MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. Whether you plan to dive into finance or operations subject matter, we have you covered on both topics. That's because the Medical Practice Excellence Conference will feature two topics in one location. Join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. You can go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. And if you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.